1: Across the UK, online and on DAB. (laughs) Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio.
2: Fembot can go to
1: hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of badass power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three.
0: Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell and we'll be with you for the next hour talking all things Serena Williams beauty pageants gig economy and bringing the publishing legend that is lorraine candy into the studio but kicking us off as ever we're going to have a little bit of a look at the news
3: that has been sparking our interest this week so nat you're starting what have you got i'm starting off with serena williams So there are two things here. There have been lots of articles talking about the fact that we've been reminded how amazing women are in our bodies. And then there have been other articles saying, oh, you know, that's it. She's never coming back to tennis. For anyone that's been living on Mars for the week, Mm. what's happening with Serena? So Serena Williams played the Australian Open whilst being in her first trimester. So she was eight weeks pregnant. She um, showed herself 20 weeks pregnant on her Snapchat. And then lots of people did the maths and worked backwards. And it started a whole conversation and debate. Emma and I were sort of saying, well, yeah, she's amazing. And she's pregnant. Okay, great. What's the new story? But it's re- it was really frustrating just how much people are like, oh, yeah, women do this thing where we make another human being.
0: <laughs> yes, we do. We do. But I don't know about you. I am not out winning the Australian Open without dropping a set. I mean, last <laughs> pregnant. I mean, uh, to be honest, if I have a bad period pain, I like to lie down with my legs up for a good half an hour. That's all I'm doing. And I think that actually we don't celebrate the just the sheer amazing physicality of women's bodies and what we can do and have done throughout history mm. whilst carrying babies. And Serena Williams, I just she's a goddess on this. Emma, do you agree or are you just a bit bored of it? I do,
4: but like... I think eight weeks is a very early stage in pregnancy. She's an athlete at the top of her game. I can see why she would still be able to to perform even though she was pregnant. But also, I'm like, does it not just put pressure on women? There's all these things about women snapping back after pregnancy and now you're meant to be winning tennis tournaments when you're eight <laughs> weeks pregnant. I was like, can we just like take the pressure off... <laughs> Women, yes. please. Yeah. Serena is phenomenal, and I'm really thrilled that she's having a baby, and that's great. Um, but yeah, can we just take the pressure off?
0: But you think it's going to inspire huge campaigns around women, you know, six months pregnant, still achieving, you know, climbing mountains and running marathons, that there's actually no let off. We yeah, and also her. we'll probably come up with some
4: ridiculous name for something like training oh, mom or yeah. like tennis winning mom or I don't know, and, and that, that is that's
3: that's it. That's she'll be forever known as the woman who played tennis eight weeks pregnant. No, no, no. She's the greatest of all time, people, <laughs> people. And I, that as I'm reading these things, that's what's coming through. And there were lots of other athletes that were being researched, and you know there was uh, someone did uh, an 800 meter during the Olympics 36 weeks pregnant women can do this thing but what I don't want is you can imagine the office conversation well you know Serena managed to win the Australian Open 8 weeks pregnant and so and so's in her you know 4 months pregnant and, and she's off because she's sick that's not healthy and I, I struggle with the way that we um, either glamorise or demonise women using these case studies so yeah
0: so while we think she's amazing we don't standard. think standard everyone no. should be living up to that you can let it go a bit <laughs> but other things that you shouldn't be living up to this week so I had an interesting experience this week where I tell you there is nothing kind of more humbling than having your photo taken at 6 30 a.m in the morning while standing next to a beauty queen <laughs> so earlier this week I was on Good Morning Britain um, to talk about whether or not beauty pageants are still relevant in 2017 and i feel really quite strongly that they're not i don't think they're diverse i don't think they represent the full range of womanhood and i think they kind of pigeonhole us back into this idea that it's just about what we look like um i was on with piers morgan he disagreed, and <laughs> this, is <laughs> this is a little clip of art
1: debate. A beauty pageant, you want to shut down.
0: <laughs> so the one thing where women can win every time. Yeah, but, but what, know, what I about it? it? Here's what, what happens I hit, if you it? don't identify as female? Harriet, here's
1: my problem with this. Women always go on feminists, right? And I'm a feminist. Once more, I want to declare myself a feminist. Sure they feminist always go on about the point about being a feminist is the right of any woman to do what she likes. This young lady would like to enter a beauty pageant. You want to stop her exercising her feminist right to do what she wants with her body. I How can you equate I've that with feminist? So, mother? as you can see,
3: oh, and
0: me and Ms. Morgan, probably not BFFs there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, Emma, what do you think? Beauty pageants, have they had their day? Uh, I find it really
4: tricky. I think the thing that, uh, that I always find in beauty pageants is, my curiosity is... Who is allowed to judge these? Because who determines what is beautiful? Because beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? And, like, who do they get on the judging panel? And who has the right to let these people, whether you are male or female, to kind of parade in front and you decide whether they are beautiful or not? That, to me, really jars me. I, You know, I'm I'm still... I do think we should celebrate beauty, as in what is aesthetically pleasing as a human being. But, uh, yeah... God, I'm, I'm not really sure
3: answering the, the question to today. <laughs> now, what do you think? Would you ever okay. take part? So I'm just going to say now, and this is, uh, so this is my guilty feminist moment. <laughs> so I didn't actually think the woman that won this beauty pageant was particularly beautiful. I'm just, I'm just saying it. To me, she was, she, she was an average, I personally don't think a particularly attractive woman. That, that's just my opinion. Which then said to me, it is beauty, is in the eye of the beholder. I don't agree with the parading around of women for the male gaze, but I don't, I have nothing against beauty pageants. There have been a few beauty pageants that have celebrated Miss Black London and Mr Black London and Miss Caribbean where black women haven't felt represented in terms of pageants and, and other forms of celebrations. And I had someone else also say, well, it's the same as having women's award ceremonies. And i think i i agree that we have award ceremonies for, for women in recognition of industries and, and professions so who am i to say actually recognizing beauty is also wrong
0: so one of the things that's been really interesting for me since i was um on good morning britain is the sheer volume of beauty queens who have emailed me to tell me that it is empowering and it is more diverse than i think it is and if i only had experienced it for myself i too would truly know how amazing it is so i am going to try and go to a beauty pageant so that i can fully
3: experience it for myself hold on mate why don't you put yourself up for one would you go that far because that's how you really experience it (laughs) if you were in studio you could see my
0: look of absolute horror at that (laughs) idea um but i think that's an interesting point which is why am i so horrified by it Mm. and i think if you have grown up in a culture which i really feel like i have where people have judged my aesthetic appearance Mm. and i've become very aware of that then the idea of like actually putting myself on a stage to have somebody do that feels sort of like it invalidates everything I know and feel about myself. It's, yeah. a very, it's a really in depth reaction to it.
4: I think, yeah, I don't want to be judged for my beauty, but I certainly have days where I feel beautiful. And my friends might say, You look beautiful today. And i like,
3: No, we don't. I'd we like... say, You look well fit. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we well. Say.
4: Let's have a well fit pageant. Yeah. <laughs> a well fit pageant. It's just the, it's the judging that jars me, not the celebration of necessarily like beauty and aesthetics. It's the judging that bothers yeah. me.
0: Yeah, I think judgment all round, we're not fans of. Um, obviously, one very big judgment coming up in the next few weeks is the general election. We're going to be looking at it in a bit more detail possibly next week, but one thing that has come up this week that we're all quite interested in and how it's going to play its part in the general election is our kind of working culture, and particularly the gig economy. Emma, do you want to tell us about that?
4: Yeah, there's been an article in The Guardian this week about the gig economy um, and people who, the gig economy, the nickname term is slashies. So these are people who are working multiple jobs, so they might be working for Uber and then they might be doing social media on the side, they might be a charity worker and then a barrister. So these are people that have got almost like a a portfolio career as well I guess isn't it that they're at massive risk of burnout because you know the challenge is that when you are basically a lone ranger free ranger that you are constantly you know working you can work all these hours how do you manage that how do you self-manage that you know there's always the feast and famine of being a freelancer so um yeah there's a there's a big challenge where people really enjoy this freedom and flexibility but yet what's coming with it is this
0: risk of, of burnout. So I really feel this is I've been away for the last week and I was completely exhausted and I do say yes to pretty much everything. So I really celebrated the fact when I left my full time job that I was a freelancer and I could do whatever I wanted. And the hardest bit has been turning stuff down. So instead, I'm constantly chasing the money. I'm constantly chasing what else I could be doing, where else I could be doing. And I honestly find a lot of myself time. I'm running on empty. Nat, Mm. have you found that?
3: I have, but in, in a in a different way and it ebbs and flows. So running a business, I have had, we have discussed before, I've had to manage my own energy just to be able to manage other people and ensure that they feel well and able to to work with us and the clients that we work with. Where I'm now at this point of my own sort of gig economy and portfolio career is, is related to being on board. So where I'm a non-exec director and some of these roles are paid, you don't get a pension... There is no maternity. There are no, there are no benefits at all. So if I had a full NED portfolio, I have no benefits as per someone that has a job. And that's where I'm feeling a bit of tension and realising some of the perks of actually having someone employ me.
0: Do you think this is an issue that the government should be looking at or all the parties should be looking at
3: in, with more intensity and perhaps a bit
0: more focus in the coming election,
3: they should be because if we think about the way the world is is moving and the way workforces are changing, more people are moving to this portfolio style work, the gig economy, especially a younger generation. And we're focusing on policies for big business. We're focusing on policies for SMEs, but actually, what about the individuals and the freelancers? How do we ensure that there are be- there are benefits and, and structures in place that enable us? and people that work differently to have the things we need in life as we get older
0: because we've talked about this before and about regulation around things like Uber and Deliveroo. Do you think we need more regulation around this gig economy?
4: Well, there are. Well, I mean, the government does have the working time regulations, which is that we should work no longer than 48 hours a week and have a 20-minute break. That's if you're employed. But when I look at my business, which runs entirely from the gig economy, the people that I do have on full-time, they have unlimited holidays. So we don't work to a nine-to-five structure. And neither do actually the people who are working for me. They work to project fees. So mm. I don't manage their time. I don't manage my employees time they have to deliver by tasks and you know I I think there's something about our whole system that makes you not responsible for yourself Mm. and this whole burnout thing it's about managing your own time it's about learning what to say no to and like you Harry I've just had to go away for a few days because I was pushed myself too far but I've got to learn to manage my time learn what to say yes to and learn what to say no to and I think much as that's tough I think that when you get there that's more positive for People in general. Great.
0: So tell us what you think. Of course, you can always tweet us at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Hour, or find us on the hashtag BAWH. Um, tell us what you think. Is the gig economy an issue for you? Do you want to see more regulation there? What is going to be concerning you when it comes to the general election? Uh, coming up in the second part of the show we are going to be meeting the amazing publishing legend that is Lorraine Candy editor of the Sunday Times Style magazine finding out what's going to be happening in publishing and also um, I really want to ask her about running because it's the London Marathon and I want to know how she gets into it um, and of course coming up later on the show we'll be doing our badass balls up solving your problems so stay tuned for that here on talk radio
1: Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking.
0: Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And in this section, we are also joined by the publishing legend that is Lorraine Candy, editor of the Sunday Times Style magazine. Lorraine, welcome.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Um, And so you are... The relatively new editor of Style Magazine is that right?
2: Yes um, I've just joined the Sunday Times to look after style and to look after all the digital content around luxury fashion and beauty so it's quite exciting. Um, I was editor-in-chief of Elle for 12 years before that and editor-in-chief of Cosmo before that. Um, I also, I've also i also worked at Marie Claire and um, features editor at the Times as well so I've been moving back and forward between newspapers and magazines since um, since I left school at 16. And what was it that kind of really drew you to this role? I think what's exciting about the Sunday Times is it's enormous. (laughs) I mean, it's huge. You you know, you're talking about readerships of millions. So that's quite exciting. It's very proactive. It's it's going through a modernisation at the moment. There's a big, big redesign happened a couple of weeks ago on the main paper, we're doing a big refresh of style. Mm. There's huge amount of activity digitally as well, it's just quite an exciting place to be. So it's very difficult for me to leave Elle, I've been there 12 years, they were kind of like my family, that team, I was very very close to everybody. But this feels like a really big new prospect and I think the digital element is really exciting for print journalists.
0: And how do you think media is changing because obviously there's so much talk in the industry about the death of print, the rise mm. of digital.
2: Is that happening or have we overestimated it? I don't think there's the death of anything, actually. I think there's this huge choice that people have and it's our job as editors, whether we're print or digital editors, to point people in the direction of of the stuff they want to read and I think that's the most enjoyable. And also to have this kind of daily, hourly, minutely conversation with your consumers is absolutely fantastic. You know, when I started out, we didn't have that and, and now we do and I think that's brilliant.
0: One of the things I love most that you did when you were at Elle was putting the Elle Fashion Cupboard on social media. We, <laughs> we,
2: well, it was a, we built it as well. Yeah. I mean, we, we completely redesigned the whole office so the team worked around the Fashion Cupboard and then we made it both a virtual and a real. Uh, it's the heart and soul of anything. The Fashion Cupboard is the heart and soul of Style Magazine. That's what we're about, Fashion and Beauty Cupboard. That's what we're about. So why would you not make sure every member of the team can see it and, and everybody's involved in it?
3: I loved it. So, in the, so my question is related to activism, and we're in a world mm. where politics is is dominating uh, the headlines. It's become a lot more mainstream, and I've noted both um, magazines where the content is is aimed at women. We're having a conversation around activism and women's voice and role in society, and I've noted that uh, editors are coming out and also sharing more of their position. Where do you stand on? Lorraine Candy having a voice and an opinion and then also having a mm. publication that then has a, maybe another tone of voice or, or, or something to contribute to that conversation?
2: I think what you need to do as an editor and what we do as editors is put everything out there for people to make their own decisions mm. around. There is a really huge groundswell of activism among young women and Mm -hmm. i notice it a lot i have teenage daughters and i think it's really really important this is a generation two generations behind me actually who found a voice Mm -hmm. and who really want to talk about it and they have platforms to talk about it i think I need to be aware of the reach I have in both my social media and and the products that I work on and to be mindful of that, that everyone has different opinions, but I have very firm opinions around equality, Mm -hmm. whether you call that feminism or not. And I have really firm opinions around diversity and I think we need to reflect that more across the media. Um, And so I make sure that people know those thoughts. But I do also think... And I think when you were talking earlier about beauty pageants everybody needs to have their say around that so there's no right or wrong and I think often with activism people believe very strongly that their way is right and won't listen to the other side or the other thing and I think that's what Editing is about putting all the views forward, and,
3: uh, and this is a really, really important question. But uh, I know you, you're a fan. <laughs> is it a test? it's oh. Not about geography, is it? Because I'm rubbish at Rihanna. Rihanna. Oh, we, oh, we, we love share her. a love. We share a love. Were you for her Coachella all over oh. Strosky outfit or not? These two were like, don't get it. I was searching for one, and I was like, glitter sequins. I need that in my life.
2: Well, I think good on Rihanna. She just, she just. The thing about Rihanna is she wears what she really wants to wear and she has a real joy and celebration around fashion, which I think is absolutely brilliant and I think that's great for other women young women who feel the same way to see love it and rain I- I've got a question for you you've had an
4: absolute phenomenal career and there's lots of oh, women like myself and <laughs> lots of our listeners will be like what what have been your biggest learnings I'm always fascinated know what was the what's the leadership advice that you could share with
2: us and with our listeners that you've learned along your <laughs> career journey <laughs> um I think you have to work out a lot of the time what is right for the business you are in and be very mindful of the business as well as yourself. Um, I think if you chase status, That's a road to nowhere. You will never be a good editor if you have status, if what you're wearing and what you own. and and, uh, That just doesn't work. You have to be in the business. And I've learnt so much from people below me. I've learnt so much from interns. I've learnt so much from people who have come in with a new sense of you. And I think sometimes you need to step back and let other people tell you. And also I think the the great thing, particularly in a creative industry like this and an industry like fashion, is to kind of sometimes think, What if we did it a different way? What if we did it the opposite way from Mm. this way? And so I and also just to be yourself. I think women often spend a lot of time thinking they need to mimic other women in power or they they need to be more like men or they need to do things in a certain way or it won't be accepted or actually you should just be you because you can't keep that up and it's very stressful and it make, it can make people very anxious. I think you just have to be yourself or be as polite as you can be through it while while still getting the job done. <laughs> I think that's um and I think when it stops to become fun, when you start dreading going in then you need to move on, and change is good change is always good, I think a lot of people fear change, and I think change is the best thing, it keeps you going
3: Editors get a bad rap, or or female editors I should say, get a bad rap for not being nice people, for being certain words, I think that's a cliche,
2: to be honest, I I think that's a cliche that other parts of the media and often the male media put on what women feel about women and i don't think they do but
3: do you care about being liked because that's a question we get often how do you get to that place of being a leader whilst also because making firm decisions and firm decisions if a man made no you know people bat an eyelid but when a woman makes them they're perceived differently
2: i think it's not gender specific i think people like to be liked Mm -hmm. and i think Kindness is quite <laughs> karmically quite good in, in your, but you can't always do what people want, and you can't assume everyone will like you. That's simply not possible. You will make decisions that affect their career, that they don't like, and they won't therefore like you. But you, and you're not going to change that person's mind. So, as long as you haven't been karmically unpleasant, I think in your dealings with people, you do have to make the decision that the business needs and that's the most difficult so that makes you more lonely I think when when you get to the top you Mm -hmm. can't um, although having said that we had a hot desk at L I didn't have an office so I sat with my team that might have been specific to that team because I'd employed most of the people there and we'd worked together a long time we got on very well but I think you have to as a person take away the fact that you're not always going to be liked that not every meeting is going to be you know a great meeting people Mm. are going to disagree with you and they're going to hold firm to their opinions and you may not be able to change that so you just need to work around it and sometimes you have to work with people you don't like Mm. but you know if they're great at their job they're great at their job you don't you know as long as you've got I always think if you've got your family are the most important thing you go home to your family they're the people who matter there's the rest of it doesn't really matter that's the most important thing
0: Lorraine, this weekend is the London Marathon and I know it's that very a exciting. Fan. Yes. <laughs> so tell us have you always been a runner or is this something you got into recently? No, I was a uh,
2: um when I had my fourth child I came back from maternity leave and uh to L and I was it, I found the job very stressful and I found a, a small child at home and three other children I found the whole thing quite stressful and one of the things I needed to do was to relax and I can't bear yoga, it's just like rolling around and I'm not very good at (laughs) meditation, I had about four people try and teach me to meditate so I started running actually, I just started, I just ran to work one day and it took took ages and an old man walked past me (laughs) (laughs) and it just brought me such joy, it was just, you know I'm not fast, I don't care about personal best, I don't time anything I do I just, we, and then I noticed a lot of young women at work were running, and I thought, well, why don't we all run? So every Wednesday we would run at lunchtime. The, we set up the L Run Club, and it, I would say run. I think that's a loose description of it, but we would go to Regent's Park. And I just think it just brought me such a sense of release, really, and, and calmness. Um, but I did hurt my knee, so I can't run at the moment. So I'm oh, no. swimming at the moment, <laughs> which again I learned last year, which is just the most brilliant thing swimming it's even better than running because it's silent and no one can get hold of you (laughs) you have a complete you have an hour where nothing can happen but you being very happily supported by the water it's brilliant
0: emma
4: I've just got one more question. You've obviously had a phenomenal career in like one of the most glamorous industries. Can you
2: give us a couple of like career highlights or like moments where you've just gone, this is amazing? <laughs> I've had such an amazing time in fashion, actually. And I uh, go to the shows, obviously, twice a year. And I've been doing that for 15, 20 years now. And I've met probably all the cover stars of Elle. And I've been to these amazing um, dinners, I think, seeing Donna Summer sing, uh, mm. you know, literally standing this far with wow. me you from yeah. her uh, singing MacArthur part was amazing. Um, I went backstage with Carl Lagerfeld. He guest edited an issue, and we sat in his garden and went through the. I mean, I've, it was extraordinary. And he talked about all the people he'd known. Very, very clever smart um, man I have I've, I was at the UN when Emma Watson gave her he for she speech and I followed that for six months and worked with her and I spent a lot of time at the UN with the UN women the team there and that was kind of amazing to be part of a history in the making which was the beginning of the big feminism uh, piece I think I've, I've just had such an amazing time and I've just had a brilliant time with my teams as well because watching young women coming in and doing the thing you were talking about the two jobs you know my, I have a friend who's a beauty director but also has this amazing candle business and it's mm-hmm. people sort of following their passion I've got a brilliant friend who's our chief Sabah El, who went off to set up a phenomenal yoga business at the same time as doing just watching that all happening around me it's been really you know as I say once it stops being fun then you move on to something else but it's been great
0: yeah fantastic thank you very much Lauren. you're going to stay around for our next section which is our badass balls up so that's our problem page uh, this is the badass women's hour with the army the army is currently recruiting for over 200 exciting diverse and rewarding roles find out more at army.mod.uk forward slash belong
1: badass women's hour with harriet minter natalie campbell and emma sexton on talk radio she'll get you talking
3: when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue nile.com you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online
1: Welcome to the
0: Badass Women's Hour, three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton and this week we also have publishing legend Lorraine Candy, editor of the Sunday Times Style Magazine with us. Thanks for still being here Lorraine. That's okay. Not running out on us yet. Uh, so this section as ever is our badass balls ups when we try and solve your problems, hopefully, maybe, sometimes, kind of. Uh, Emma, what have we
4: got this week? Uh, so i was speaking... At a conference uh, a couple of weeks ago, and afterwards, it's really nice when people come up and talk to you after an event because I would never have done that when I was younger. So, whenever girls come up after an event, I'm always like, always give them my time. And there's this one girl, and she was talking to me, just like, I really want to talk to you because um, I'm really trying to find my purpose and I haven't got my purpose, and I'm trying all these things and I don't know what the outcome is. And she was in a bit of a turmoil about it. And she's not the first person in her 20s that I've had a conversation with who are, you know, Almost having a meltdown about the fact they haven't found their purpose, and I just wanted to talk to you all about your advice because for me personally, I'm like at 22. I feel like you should just you're just learning about yourself at 22, and you know. But I just feel there's a lot of pressure on on millennials basically to find their purpose. I just
2: what do you what do what you, do you think?
0: think? What do you think, Lorraine? Have, do you know your purpose?
2: Uh, well, I left school at 16 with my purpose, which was to edit a glossy magazine. So. <laughs> 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 a um, I think that's quite. <laughs> unusual though perhaps Mm. because I grew up in a very rural um, area so I was quite focused on it but I think I do a lot of talks at schools and fashion colleges and things and, and lots of young women do ask me that and I always say to them, what do you really love doing? What makes you incredibly happy? And it may not be the thing you're learning for, the internship or the thing, not the thing you think you should do what makes you really happy is it drawing, but you might be interning at a tech company Actually, <laughs> and I think once you narrow it down to what makes you really happy, what would make you want to get out of bed in the morning and go somewhere then you can start working around it because generally what makes you happy keeps making you happy Mm. and you're better at it
4: someone once said to me that um you should take note of the things that you would do when you have your to-do list for the day what are the Mm. things that you would want to just get done immediately yes because take notice of those because they are normally the things that you're really passionate about that are not a chore that you can't wait i always do the worst stuff first though yeah i do otherwise you laugh about for (laughs) hours and hours and (laughs) wander off and get a donut
2: (laughs) 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 matt do
3: you have a purpose do you know what it is uh so it evolves so i, I go by my company purpose which is creating a world of world where people can feel good do good and live better but growing up like you i at the age of 15 i wanted to be a ceo that was it no compromise and i just worked on that but i do feel the pressure of this younger generation not just on their purpose but feeling like they've made it and i love the advice that you gave her which was just chill out and when i do people ask me you know do the what was what's your advice to your younger self it is it's chill out it's go dancing yeah go I did dance. say it too, yeah, have yeah. as much fun as possible yeah. Yeah. I would say that yeah.
2: I'm on the eve of my 50th birthday next uh-huh. year and I look back and think why didn't I just go out all the time <laughs> <laughs> I did go out quite a lot but
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think, so I once did um, I did do a coaching course and um, on that they ask you to identify your life purpose and they say the way to identify your life purpose is through I am and then metaphor and then and the impact I have on the world is so my life purpose you're going to love this my life purpose is I am the raging storm that brings radical transformation and I'm like do you know what if it doesn't fit with that I don't do it so that's how you I've got all here that and more unless <laughs> it pays the big bucks yeah unless it pays the big bucks uh so life purpose chill out basically that's what we think um so my problem coming up now which is actually my problem so be nice uh so i met someone on a dating app a few weeks ago and um got chatting to them really like like liked them a lot really really got on with them and there was just something though that wasn't totally ringing true for me and i'm a journalist so when stuff doesn't ring true i want to investigate it i also have very advanced social media search (laughs) skills so um i did a bit of investigating this guy and found out quite quickly that he has a girlfriend um and now i am stuck because i obviously i'm not going to get involved with somebody that has some you know well, another someone that half. tells lies. Someone yeah. that tells <laughs> lies, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but my sort of inner feminist has always said that if I was in that situation, I would instantly tell the other woman. And now I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I don't want to hurt her. So I don't know what to do. Lorraine was just like, no.
2: <laughs> what do you think? I think you have to be mindful of everyone involved, but perhaps she would want to know. But I suspect she probably already knows. Do you yeah. think? Yeah. yeah. I think most sometimes in those situations from most of the stories we've written about and the authors I've commissioned and the writers and all the places I've worked where we've run that the girlfriend either actually officially knows or subconsciously knows. I don't think you'd be telling her anything she doesn't really suspect or know. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and
0: I, I just... The whole idea of, like, you know... Being the bearer of bad news, Emma, would you do it? Well,
4: no. I think if it was a really good friend of mine and I found something out, I would definitely tell her. But when it's two practically strangers, I mean, I know you've been chatting to him on a dating app, but you don't really know him. You don't really know her. I would stay out of it, and I would say that that's probably not the only thing that he's doing. And even if she doesn't find out now, she something's gonna something's gonna break, break, right? So mm-hmm. once it's out, yeah. it's out.
2: Isn't yeah. it? Once you're public about dating, Nat,
3: have you ever told anyone? No, I'm with you. And so I've had situations where friends have seen my friends' boyfriends on apps. And even then I'm like, Do "You know what? She knows. I am not going to be that person that looks like the interfering friend because especially if they stay after knowing, it just changes the whole relationship." So I would not go anywhere near telling her.
0: Okay, and so we're
3: blocking <laughs> and moving on. <laughs>
0: Uh, That's the wisest advice we've yeah. ever given <laughs> And also the, in the most agreement yes. Yes. Sure. yes No And Nat finally what's your problem for this week
3: What The problem this week It started off we were So M went on, on holiday alone And when we were talking about this Our producer was like what And then threw all of this judgement on us Based on the fact that he thinks we're lonely losers uh, So we're putting out there Yeah is it okay to just go on holiday alone to ibiza mind yeah. you yes yeah. well I,
4: when i said i was going away so i booked five days away in ibiza not going to pasha like the clubs aren't open yet but i just needed some t- time by myself completely alone to just let my brain rest and recuperate and i said it to this uh, girl that i was going away and she's like by yourself you're going on holiday by yourself and she just looked at me like I was some kind of weirdo and I was like maybe I am I'm alright with that and then yeah so it's like I just I don't know I don't see any problem with going on holiday by yourself what do you think Lorraine?
2: I think it's fantastic I think it's quite brave I think a lot of people spending that I wouldn't want to spend that much time on my own with myself <laughs> <laughs> to start all sorts of terrible projects that I'd come and <laughs> like make everybody do yeah. a load of ideas That um, I think it's fantastic I think lots of women do lots of women mm-hmm. um I do a lot of running, swimming type things. Lots of women I meet go on swim camps, run camps on their own, make brilliant friends, new friends. And I just I just found that your mind is open to other things when you're on your own, I think, which probably was very enjoyable. Yeah,
4: it was good, actually. But, yeah, I didn't make any friends. I didn't speak to anybody. <laughs> I must admit, Head on down. Tuesday, I was like, um, British Airways, have you got any early flights home?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the first four days was phenomenal. It was great. So I actually took my first ever holiday alone when I was 25. And I did it because I'd had flu, and while I'd had flu, I'd been watching Dirty Dancing 2, Havana Nights, and had become obsessed with the idea of going to Cuba. Turns out that film is not actually filmed in Cuba, <laughs> but I didn't realise that <laughs> at the time. Um, and so whilst in this sort of foggy, fluey <laughs> fever, I booked a flight to Cuba three weeks later and just got on the flight and went. Didn't really do my research, didn't really realise that actually... I don't know why I didn't realize this, that not many people spoke English in Cuba and I spoke no Spanish. Um, But went by myself for two weeks and had an amazing two weeks Mm. where I met incredible people. I got hustled left, right and center and I just had to accept it and let it go. I learned a lot about myself and I took a trip that actually, if I'd been waiting for somebody to take it with me, Mm -hmm. might not have happened. And that for me is the really big thing about it, which is when you want to do something, when you want to see somewhere, waiting for somebody to say, yeah, I'll come with you. Could mean that you 're waiting forever agreed, Nat, do you have anything on your bucket list that you are not going to do unless you do it with someone
3: no i do. i 'm a lone ranger I, if I want to do something, I am off and doing I think it's always it 's nicer to be able to go oh, this thing 's awesome to someone else, but I really I love those moments and i 'm an introvert, so I want to take it in and kind of take a photo of that moment, just me. And, and so no, I wouldn't stop myself. I've I've all, I, I went on my first trip alone at eleven. So I flew to um Stockholm to see my uncle. But my uncle at that point was like thirty eight, forty. So he just let me kind of as you did then, go <laughs> off and, and and wander. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it.
4: See, I have. I have a, a My number one destination is Japan. I really want to go to Tokyo. And I keep putting it off because I don't want to go by myself. But I think it's more that I'm just a bit scared because the culture is so different. And I feel like I don't want to do that by
0: myself. That mm. feels too brave. So,
4: yeah, I'm putting that off, actually.
0: So, I, I have the only one that I have put off, which is, and I've given myself a deadline of 40 for it, is Venice. Because I want to go to Venice with someone. I want to go on a big romantic Aww. gondola ride and, like, you know, experience it in all its ridiculously cheesy glory. <laughs>
3: really? See, um, I did Rome alone for my birthday. And, oh, I got to eat all the food by myself <laughs> and drink all of the wine by myself. I mean,
0: have, yes. a, have a love weekend by yourself in Venice, Harriet. How <laughs> yeah, well, romantic. If I don't get it by 40, I'll do it for my 40th birthday. <laughs> uh, OK, well, that's all we've got time for this week on our Badass Balls Ups. But as ever, if you want our help, I don't know why you would, but maybe you would. <laughs> if you want our help, you can tweet us at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, all the socials or using using the hashtag #ba awh um finally we've had the amazing lorraine candy Thank editor you. of the star magazine Yay! in studio with us <laughs> <laughs> and this is the badass women's hour with the army the army is currently recruiting for over 200 exciting diverse and rewarding roles find out more at army.mod.uk forward slash belong
1: badass women's hour with harriet minter natalie campbell and emma sexton on talk radio she'll get you talking
0: Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour, three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton and it's time for Backdated Badass with the Army. And this week's one actually came to me in a kind of a, a weird roundabout way because I knew of her for one reason and now I've learned a whole load of other stuff. So she is Nellie Bly and she's an American journalist who was journalist at the end of the 19th century. Um, And the thing that I was most aware of her for was her expose on asylum patients. So she basically went into mental institutions and really exposed what was happening there. And as you can imagine, at the end of the 19th century, it wasn't great. There was a lot of what we would really today almost probably consider torture or dehumanizing behavior. Um, And she was the woman who actually exposed it and took it to the press and made people report on it. But I've also learned that she is an explorer. So she is a woman who liked to go off by herself and find new places and write about them. Now, does that kind of inspire you?
3: It does, it, it massively resonates. And I think connecting Nelly back to some of the other women we've spoken about, she's also a polymath. And I think one of the, the amazing things I'm realizing is that we have all of these women out there doing things. They're not just doing one thing they're doing three four five different things so to be a brilliant journalist a brilliant investigative journalist and then go off and be an explorer and essentially sort of break records and chart a new territory it 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 actually just blows my mind and you know she she was a normal girl growing up in pennsylvania so she went to a normal school she studied to become a teacher um she wanted to go into higher education but financially she couldn't afford it um And that's how she got into writing. But she never let die all of the other things that she actually wanted to do.
0: Yeah. Emma, was there anything you liked about her in
3: particular? Well, I
4: must admit, I'd not heard about her before until you mentioned that you wanted to feature her on the show. And the more I read about her, the more I'm like... such a badass but I love her experimentation so yes she's a journalist but she did the whole asylum thing so she she really did go in undercover there to really explore what was going on but what I loved was her round the world trip where there was a whole thing about Phileas Fogg going round the world in 80 days and she was like well can you go around the world in 80 days let me try and she just went off by herself on holiday by herself Can we just know that? and she did it And she did it with like two days to spare but I love the fact that she's just got this curiosity and sense of adventure and like that really inspires me because I do that a lot in the work that I'm doing is like just try some stuff out just ask what if so what can you go around the world in 80 days if she'd have failed would it have mattered not really mm. I'm sure she still would have had a great time so I think there's a lot we can take from that so yeah I think she's incredible Nelly
0: so for for me one of the most badass things she did and actually if you really want to be a journalist is basically the way to do it she um she started her journalism career because she basically wrote a response piece to something she disagreed with in the local paper so the pittsburgh dispatch had um published a piece by writer Erasmus Wilson claiming that women were best served in the home conducting domestic duties such as raising children cooking and cleaning and he called the working woman a monstrosity <gasps> I don't think we would have loved him Um, and she was so angered by this and so infuriated by it that she actually wrote a whole piece and sent it into the editor and quite a provocative um, strongly worded piece explaining why it was completely incorrect and how damaging it was to have these stereotypes out there for women and the editor was so impressed by it that he not only published the piece but he gave her a job.
3: I think that's what we call a written B slap to the (laughs) first guy. Um, So, again, all of that amazing, brilliant. A point of clarification. So, she went around the world in 72 days and she published a book about it. Um, And again, and maybe it's where I am in my life. She did all of this. And she still went off and married a millionaire. You know? Hang on, he was 40 years older than her. Yeah, <laughs> 40 she, yeah, 40 years
0: older
4: than her. Yeah, she
0: knows yeah. what
3: she likes. Or she knew what she liked. <laughs> what was it that first attracted to
0: the multimillionaire Robert Seaman? Yeah.
3: Um, and then she she retired from journalism. And it, it says, by all accounts, they enjoyed a, a happy marriage. But I again, she did it all and I, I, I'm not I don't want to go into women having it all and, but I just I I visualise this life that she would have had doing these amazing things and she still sort of rides off into the sunset but get, the other thing married. that's
0: interesting about that is that she rides off into the sunset gets married and then she comes back again so she tried being a kind of you know wife and a housewife and having that domestic life and she did it for a few years and she didn't like it so in 1920 she came back and she starts writing for the New York Journal reporting on stories particularly anything to do with the women's suffrage movement mm. women's rights so I think she kind of she proved her own point that she began way back with that first article yeah. yeah,
4: but I'm going I wonder if she suffered from burnout and then I'm like maybe she did and that's why she did the 72 day <laughs> round the world trip no, maybe she that's did. why she
3: got married <laughs> 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 there are some days I'm like just give me a man I need a man, give man me a No, to pay the bills. That's what I'm thinking.
0: So that was today's Backdated Badass with the Army. The Army is currently recruiting for over two hundred exciting, diverse and rewarding roles. Find where you belong. Find out more at army.mod.uk forward slash belong. Um, As ever, we're coming to the end of our show, but we'd like to leave you with something to live your life by for the next seven days. Our badass principle. A little piece of advice from us to you. Um,
3: Nat, what is it this week? The badass principle for the week is... Go alone, and that's me doing in my Greta Garbo. Like, You're like, what? what is that accent? <laughs> <laughs> Greta Garbo. I, I want to be alone. Is that not how she says oh, it? Oh, okay, I get no? it. Oh, okay, fine. Anyway, so <laughs> just humouring uh, her there, yeah. Yeah. Right. Go alone is the <laughs> the badass principle of the week, and it it you know it's it's a part of the conversation we've been having today. If there's something you really want to do, and there's no one that wants to do it with you, just go. If if you want to explore an idea or a concept or learn something new and you're waiting for someone else to give you that permission to do it, just go. Go alone and be with yourself. Be with yourself. Be with your thoughts. Have some, some downtime, some meditation time. Like Lorraine said, she goes swimming or she goes for a run and it's her time to just be alone. And I think that's sacred, especially in this crazy world right now.
0: Emma, do you agree? Do we need a bit of sacred time? I think we, I think we definitely need to learn to be alone. I'd also say,
4: like, one, yes, there's about spending time by yourself, but also I see it a lot with entrepreneurs where they start up a business. They're like, oh, I need a business partner, and I think a lot of those needs to have a business partner because they're scared to just set up the business by themselves. Yeah. They don't really need a business partner. So I would say that, yeah, brave yourself, like dare yourself to be brave and to and to go alone and do things by yourself.
0: So one of the things that was interesting that Lorraine said was about that kind of spending all that time by yourself and how difficult that is. How did you get comfortable with just being in your own company?
4: I think I'm very good at getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. In fact, I always dare myself and even going on holiday, the day before I was a bit anxious. I was a bit like, why am I going to Ibiza by myself? What if the accommodation's not great? And I'm like, Emma, you've got a credit card. Accommodation's (laughs) not great. (laughs) You're not happy get out of there like you're a resourceful woman stop being an idiot so i'm not saying that you know it still wasn't a brave thing for me to do but i i enjoy the downtime i i mean yes i did get bored after three or four days but i i went for walks i enjoy that time to just think not get too stuck in my thoughts but to allow yeah be comfortable with being uncomfortable it's good it's healthy
0: and i think for me there's something about actually knowing that you can So knowing that you can do this stuff by Mm. yourself. You don't have to, but if the chip's down and it's just you, you will be okay. You don't need anyone else to make yourself okay. You, as you are, are enough. And that, for me, is what Go Alone is really about. Yes. So this has been the Badass Women's Hour. Um, As ever, if you've liked what you heard, if you want to join in the conversation, do come find us on social media. We love it when you do that. Um, You can find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour. On Instagram, same handle. Facebook, same thing. All the socials, in fact. Or you can talk to us individually. I'm at Harriet Minter, Nat.
3: At Nat D. Campbell. And
0: Emma. At Emma Sexton. Um, and of course, if you really liked us and you're listening to this on the podcast, do you know what you should do? You should subscribe and review. Yes, please. We love it when you do that. Um, we will be here next week with more badass opinions. So join us then on Talk Radio.
1: Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minza, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50-80% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets and so much more.